Good morning. Good morning, friends. Good to see your faces. Good to be home. I had the last couple of weeks, I had the privilege of uh, speaking to students around the nation. Last weekend, I was in Providence to speak at the student retreat for Brown University. Right before that, American University in DC. And two weeks ago today, uh, I was with several students, um, students from University of Missouri and a couple surrounding campuses. And um, two weeks ago today, eight students said yes to committing their lives to Christ. And I am so honored to be a part of things like that. God is still in the business of redemption. He is still winning hearts, and it's just such a joy to be a part of that. Kind of on that vein, I have tomorrow, tomorrow's October 15th, I have, um, is a, an important day in my own life. 29 years ago tomorrow was the day I said yes to Jesus, yes to following Jesus, yes to living this great adventure of walking with Jesus. And um, I, um, gosh, it doesn't take much for me to go back and remember what 29 years ago today I was like before tomorrow, before October 15th. And so I am forever, forever grateful and grateful I get a chance to share that with you. Well, in those 28 years and 364 days, um, I, there are two things I have never heard in all of my life with Jesus. I have never heard anybody say, I am totally satisfied with my prayer life. Anybody? Anyone? I'm totally satisfied with my prayer life. I've also never heard anybody say, I've got nothing more to learn about prayer. I got it. Check. You know, like a friend of mine once uh, had the list of the fruit of the spirit um, listed out, and her husband, as a joke, went by one of them. Check. Got it. Done. You know. I have never heard anybody say, I'm totally satisfied with my prayer life. I've never heard anybody say, I've got nothing more to learn about prayer. In fact, I have learned in my years that the, the folks that I respect the most are the ones who, even after years and years of walking with Jesus, are still praying the prayer of the disciples, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach me to pray. Lord, help me to know you. And I'm mindful of that. I'm mindful, as, again, as I kind of mark tomorrow, uh, that important day in my life. Um, and I think about this uh, quote by a man named Henry Nowen. Do you guys know Henry? Um, <laughs> I say that like I know him. You know, Henry. Um, Henry Nowen is a Catholic priest, or was a Catholic priest, who was, he was a teacher at Harvard and Yale and um, Notre Dame, I believe, as well. He, um, he spent most of his life in academia, and then the last part of his life uh, was called to work in a home for persons with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And it was interesting for him to go from the kind of the brightest of the brightest of the brightest of university campuses around our nation to those who wouldn't even, honestly probably wouldn't have even known where Harvard and Yale were or what they were. And he lived this life in faithfulness to Jesus. And he said this one thing in a, in a book that I read. He said, did becoming older bring me closer to Jesus? Did becoming older bring me closer to Jesus? And again, I'm mindful of that kind of in this season approaching tomorrow. I, I do know that I'm different, not just in an area of maturity. That's a lot of years that have passed. I do know that I'm different. I do remember my values and my goals and where I was going. I do know that, quite frankly, my, my thought and my reasoning was I just would use people for my gain. And, and, and I've gone from the value of just using people for my gain to the value of serving people for Jesus's gain. That's a pretty big difference. Yet I still 
am too impatient behind the wheel. Of course, you know, I've got to say in that Springfield, Missouri, you know what I'm saying? With the, with the, <laughs> some of you are nodding like, I'm like, okay, I, if you don't want to speed, that's, I honor and respect that, but please at least go the speed limit. You know what I mean? At least at the speed limit. I'm still too impatient in a grocery store line. I'm still too selfish and stingy at times, even when I feign generosity. Anybody do that, you know? Like, I, oh, sure, absolutely, you can have that in my mind and in my heart. There's still a little bit of stinginess in there. So I want to know how can I answer, how can I answer Nowen's question as yes? Did becoming older bring me closer to Jesus? And so I want to explore something about prayer today. Matt gave me a little room to roam. I hope this is okay, and it may be the last time he gives me room to roam. We're going to do something a little different today. We're not going to walk expositionally through a passage, but we are going to talk about this um, area of prayer in our lives. And it's, this is such an interesting congregation. I have so many people who, um, we have an interesting mix of folks here. I don't know if you've, I don't know if you've noticed that. Um, we have these long-term world missionaries, I mean, names that I have respected for years and years and years, and some I've even worked with, Stuart and Wendy, we worked together. I, I brought a, a team of students to where they were in Jamaica probably a dozen years ago, and it's kind of cool that we've reconnected here now. All these amazing world missionaries, we've got administrators and professors from Evangel, and I mean, it's just pretty remarkable. I was thinking, we have the most impressive set of beards I've ever seen in a congregation. I'm not, I don't know how, I, we, we need to get out of the softball league and go straight into like the beard growing league in our church or something. It's just very impressive. So I feel I'm going to offer some things to you knowing that um, this, is, this is really quite a congregation. We, as, we, as we know, we, we come from different backgrounds. We have different places where we've walked with Jesus. But I would, I'll present this to you and ask you to hold it before the Lord this week. Um, and I trust that the Lord will bring nuance to his message. People rarely ask me how my inner life with Jesus is. People rarely ask me. In fact, in the last couple of years, I can only think of two times that somebody has asked me, how are you doing in your, your relationship with Jesus? How's your prayer life? How's your inner life with Jesus? And one of them is an 83-year-old Catholic nun that I meet with once a month, Sister Frances. She serves as my spiritual director. She starts every one of our meetings with um, what she calls an organ recital. She tells me about her heart. She tells me about her knee. She tells me about, and then she stops and says, okay, well, enough about my organ, you know, enough of an organ recital. And then she starts to ask me questions to help me understand and discern the presence and activity of God in my life. It's beautiful. She's really one of the few who have ever asked me um, or have asked me in a very long time about my inner life, about my life with Jesus, about what it means to grow in prayer. And I just wonder sometimes, you guys, if we, I mean, maybe you guys have that more than I do, but I work in a ministry, and you think, well, we'd probably ask each other more. I wonder sometimes if we take that for granted or if we just assume that someone is developing and making space for God in their life. I think it's now and again he talks about part of the inner life is just creating space for God to work, creating space for God to move in our lives. And that's, again, where we're going today. I hope that we can turn the kaleidoscope a little bit um, with regard to prayer. And so I'm going to present a couple things to you that I, I hope are helpful and useful. Um, when you see something, a picture in a kaleidoscope, you turn it, all the same elements are there, but you get a different picture. And I'm hoping that this will be a little kaleidoscopic change uh, of our view. I've been encouraged by the words of an author, Ruth Haley Barton, um, in a book called Sacred Rhythms that I love. I highly recommend it. I'm about to finish it for my third time. She said this. She said, your desire for more of God than you have right now, your longing for love, 
your need for deeper levels of spiritual transformation than you've experienced so far is the truest thing about you. Your desire for more of God than you have right now, your longing for love, your need for deeper levels of spiritual transformation than you have experienced so far is the truest thing about you. I found that so incredibly encouraging because I know that what I tend to lean toward the truest thing about me is my inconsistency or my impatience or my whatever seems to be showing up at that moment. This is such an encouraging word to me that truly the, the truest thing about me, the truest thing about us is quite simply that we want more of God. I mean, really, that's why we're here. I don't think, I didn't see anybody dragging anybody in here today. That tells me you came in on your own accord. You're here because you want more of God. And I wonder what it would be like if we set that as the foundation for going into prayer. Quite simply, God, I want more of you. I want more of you. So in that, in that um, kind of in that framework, I want to introduce you briefly to a mentor of mine. Uh, and then we're going to get a little bit more practical. I want to introduce you to my mentor, Ignatius of Loyola, um, who I have spent some time. Anybody here of Ignatius of Loyola? Probably a number of us. He was a um, he was a 16th he was born in the 16th century or most of his life in the 16th century. He was uh, a soldier. He was actually born of some nobility. He was a man. He wasn't born super wealthy, but of some nobility. And uh, he was known in his day as a bit of a ladies' man. Honestly, he he was a bit of a playa. Um, and uh, loved, he had, he was known to love the ladies, he was known to love fighting, in fact, he may be one of the few um, saints with a notarized police record, which actually I find encouraging that the Lord could, you know, could like still use somebody like that. He was uh, described as being hot-headed and given over to the vanities of this world, and um, again, it, it's so encouraging because it doesn't matter where we start, God can still do something deep in our lives. He was, he just had this love for battles and knights, like K-N-I-G-H-T-S, like battles and knights and the, the art of war and everything. This is, uh, again, 16th century Spain. What happened one day is that he was in a battle. It was the Spanish and the French, and he was in um, something, I think, resembling a castle. And the French um, sent in a cannonball, and it ended up dramatically damaging Ignatius's leg. Now, here's this guy. I mean, he's, he's, he loves the art of war, and he is wounded severely in the art of war. History tells us that he still fought so valiantly that even the French at the time said, this guy's amazing, and they actually carried him to get medical care because they were so impressed with his passion and his resolve to fight for what he believed in. He ended up going, and they reset his leg, but the problem was when they reset it, they re I mean, this is 16th century medicine. They reset it in a way that it wasn't set correctly, and so there was a bone protruding out of his leg, and his leg ended up being, one leg ended up being shorter than the other, and this terrible bone protruding out of it. Well, I, I believe the men wore kind of like tights back then, you know, if you think about the clothing they wore, and he was so vain, he just said, this isn't going to be okay, and so he actually had them re-break and, and saw down and, and, and like, yeah, saw down like that bone, pull, put his leg in a traction, can, you know, thing, and then try to pull it out. It was so bad that the process of trying to get healed was so bad, he ended up spending months and months in recovery. So he is on his back. He has no, nothing to do, nowhere to go. He's with his sister and brother-in-law, I believe, and he wants to read. He's like, I, I've got nothing to do. And so he wanted to read. He was hoping to find something that he could read of, like, knights and chivalry and wars. The only things that his sister had in her home were two books, one on the life of Christ, one on the life of the apostles. 
he is stuck now. He's got nothing to do. There's no Netflix. You know what I'm saying? There's, and, he's, and so he starts reading about the life of Christ, starts reading about the life of the apostles, and he starts to realize this is the greatest adventure ever. This is the epic battle. This is everything I've ever wanted. And as he reads this, he starts to feel what he would describe as this consolation. There just began to be this peace, this something that was going on in his life. And, and then it says that, that, as a story goes, he would go back and he would think about kind of the knights and chivalry and war that he once knew, and he began to feel what he called a desolation. He began to feel a death or a lack of peace when he thought about the things of his old life. In that process, the Lord began to draw him, and he realized that he found much more joy in this great adventure of the life of Christ. Out of his uh, life and out of his process, he ended up starting what we know as the Society of Jesus or the Jesuit Order, where a lot of universities that we may be familiar were started from. Uh, I spent time at Georgetown. It was a Jesuit university. Uh, Loyola, Boston College, St. Louis University in Missouri. All these things came from what Ignatius did in there. In that, in that story, in his life, he began to explore with prayer. And um, I want to I share one thing that he, a framework that he introduced that I, I think will be encouraging to us. Before we get into the actual framework, I'd love to share a few um, principles that he had of prayer. And again, this is why I say he's been a mentor to me. This has been something that in my own life with Christ, um, I, it has helped me develop and grow and hopefully as I grow older, become more like Jesus. And so just real quickly, three things that uh, Ignatius taught us, taught me about prayer. One is that we can find God in all things. And by that, it simply means that there is nothing about our life that is meant to be separate from prayer. There is nothing. I work with college students all the time who are telling me that they are struggling with temptation with everything. I'm like, you know what? Jesus wants to hear about it. Jesus wants to know. There's nothing about our lives that is, is really should be separate from prayer. Nothing is outside of our spiritual life. Doesn't mean that it is in line with where God wants to go, but meaning that we can find God in any, any trial, any pain, any sorrow, anything, we can find God. Even if that means how we find him is an invitation to repent of our ways. In anything, we can find God in anything. The second thing is this that Ignatius talks about. He talks about fusing the distance between our head and our heart. How many of you have felt like that's like the longest journey ever? And I've seen some people lean toward the head, some toward the heart. I tend to be uh, more of a thinker. But the challenge for me in that is when I, when I don't fuse the head and the heart, my relationship with Jesus becomes one out of obligation rather than one out of devotion. And it's so easy to do that. I know for a lot of us, it's so easy to do the things out of obligation. And I know there are some things we do out of discipline, but I don't want to live out of obligation. I don't want to live out of, I have to do it because I have to do it because I have to do it. I think about that with Mary in Luke chapter 1. Remember when Gabriel comes to Mary and um, says, like, you're going to be, like, you know, spontaneously pregnant. I mean, <laughs> how's that for your day? Hello, you know. And um, I love how the I love how Gabriel then told her, um, it's going to be a boy, and his name is going to be Jesus. And honestly, I, I'm like, I could have waited on that information. Um, we got nine months to talk about the gender and the name. I would want to know, like, what's Joseph going to say? Can you, you know, like fill me in on that one rather than you know his name is Jesus? But 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 Mary, she she goes through this entire process, and and she comes to the end of that scene there, and she says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Now, that could go two different ways. That could be, I am the Lord's servant, okay, whatever, if you're going to make me. Or it could be, like we see later in Luke 1, Mary saying, my soul glorifies the Lord. 
It's Mary saying, the Lord has done great things for me. There's a big difference there in how we respond to the Lord out of obligation or out of gratitude. And I'm convinced, friends, that gratitude, I just think the presence of God is attracted to gratitude. I think God is attracted to grateful people. I think God is attracted because I think gratitude helps us live with humility, and we know God gives grace to the humble. It's hard to be, it's hard to be grateful and prideful. Ever, ever tried that? Hard to be grateful and prideful at the same time. God, make me grateful because of the great things you have done for me, and that fuses the distance between my head and my heart. And then the third, third principle that Ignatius talked about in prayer is becoming free of the interior clutter in order to love God and serve others. Anybody have any interior clutter going on in your heart and mind at times? It's through experiencing God in prayer that we become free of what Ignatius called the disordered loves. I think the gospel that we read today with the um, rich young ruler is a great example of a disordered love. When Jesus said it's going to be hard for the wealthy, it's, it's not a matter of how much money we have. It's a matter of is, is that a disordered love? Is that wealth? And we saw that in his story in, in Mark that Austin read. It was a disordered love because he loved that more than he loved what God had for him. What might be the disordered loves for us? Because as we experience God in prayer, we become free of that interior clutter of those disordered loves. All right, are we there? Are we good? Everyone? You're kind of looking at me. Everyone there? Okay. Um, We're going to look at a framework called the Daily Examine. Anybody here of the Daily Examine? I know Austin and Hillary, your guys' group has, um, I think you guys have explored that. I'd like to introduce this to you as a way, it's a framework, a way to engage with the presence of God. I will, um, Austin said he's going to put it up on our Facebook page. I had hoped to give little bookmarks out. I had, I've got a bookmark that I keep in my Bible with the daily exam and framework. I started printing them this morning at home and immediately ran out of ink. So there you go. So we're going to put it on the Facebook page as well as a video that Austin has recommended um, from Fuller Seminary kind of walking through the exam. And, and I hope and trust that this will be encouraging to your own um, your own relationship with Jesus. I, again, um, the author I uh, quoted earlier, Ruth Haley Barton, she talks about going from communication to communion. And again, I don't know where you are in your journey, but I, I don't want just communication with God. I want communion with God. I would imagine those of you who are married, you know the difference between communication and communion on a date night. Like if you're going out to dinner and it's like, okay, we got to get the car fixed. Okay, we got to pay the bills. We got to do this. I mean, you guys are communicating, but are you communing? And in my relationship with God, I don't want it to constantly be like, okay, God, I've got a thing that I'm speaking at. God, I've got this thing I'm doing. Can you help me with that? Can you do this? Could you do that? I don't want just the communication. That's an essential piece of my relationship with God. But I don't want it to stay there. I want to go from communication to communion. And the, the daily exam has helped me do that. It's not the only way to pray. It's not intercession. It's not petition. But it is a way we can engage with the presence of God. So here we go, daily examine. Daily examine is a technique of prayerful reflection on the events of the day in order to detect God's presence and and to discern his direction for us. It's a technique of prayerful reflection on the events of the day in order to detect God's presence and discern his direction. As I think about all the promises of God in scripture, I I mean, people talk about, I think people have actually counted the number of promises that, you know, God makes in scripture. 
I honestly feel like every promise he makes in Scripture comes down to one. I will be with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm just going to be with you. In fact, I think even if we look at Jesus' life, Jesus' life was bookended by the promise of with. You will call him Emmanuel, God with us. The very beginning of Jesus' life, it's the promise that God is with us. The very end of Jesus' life, before he goes to be with the Father, after he's resurrected, he said, he said, all authority has been, in heaven on earth has been given to me, and I, I give it to you. I will be with you. Key times in Jesus' life, even when he called the disciples, Scripture tells us that he chose the twelve and called them to be with him and then to send them out to preach and cast out demons. There's something about witness. There's something about the promise of God to be with us. Even John saying, even Jesus saying in John, the Holy Spirit will be with you forever. All of the promises of God can be sifted down to witness. God is with us. And so as we walk through the daily examine here, as I introduce that to you, think of it in terms of God's desire to be with us. I love what Moses said. Basically, God, if your presence doesn't go, I'm not going. I pray that one all the time for places I go. God, if you don't go to that retreat, I'm not going. I, I, gotta, I need to be with you. I need you to be with me. So let's walk through it. Daily examine. And this is, there's some flexibility to this. It's not meant to be um, hardcore and, and, and inflexible at all. But um, starting with stillness. I think that's up, is that up there. Starting with some stillness. You guys, one thing I, I notice how easy it is to go through the hurriedness of the day and then to take that into prayer. Or just the hurriedness even in the morning. If you spend time with God in the morning. The hurriedness of like, okay, I'm trying to do this. Trying to get lunch ready. Trying to get breakfast ready. And then just fall into prayer. There's just something about pausing. There's something about taking a deep breath. There's something about recognizing that I don't have to ask God to show up. I just need to tune into his presence. I've, I've stopped praying a prayer. Um, I, I've heard this a lot. I've said this a lot in my life. And I don't want anyone to get like, bound up by language. But I've stopped praying, um, come Holy Spirit. Um, and I've started saying, God, hope, God, help me to recognize where you are right now. Help me to recognize that you are here. I, I feel less like I need to ask him to show up then I need to pay attention to the fact that he has shown up. It's almost like some of us will remember this, those old, old radios, <laughs> you know, where you tune, and you get a lot of static, a lot of static, and you keep tuning. There it is. There's the clarity. There's something about entering into prayer with stillness, becoming still and paying attention to the fact that he's here, and then asking God to give us the eyes to see as he sees. None of our spiritual life can happen unless he helps us see. None of our spiritual life can happen unless God grants us the ability to see as, as he sees. So I start with stillness as I walk through this framework, recalling his presence, becoming still, paying attention to him, and then that takes me into a time of gratitude. It's amazing how much, so, and, and one thing I forgot to tell you is this, this, this prayer um, framework, a lot of times it's t taking a look over the last 24 hours of our day. A lot of times people will pray this at night. I'm, I'm no good at night, so I tend to pray it in the morning, so I think through the day before. If you tend to want to pray this at night, you just think through since you woke up in the morning. Um, but it's just kind of, uh, as one person said, rummaging through your day looking for God. As you look back over the course of your day, what are the benefits, blessings, gifts, and graces that God has given you today? It's amazing how many things I hurriedly run past the blessings of my day. If I don't pause to think about what they are, I miss them completely. I'm on to the next thing or whatever like that. As I sit before God in his presence and say, God, what were the blessings and benefits you offered to me today? 
I have never, ever, ever had a time where God didn't show me something that he did to bless or a gift or a grace from the day. It's incredible. And again, I just think that that gratitude has got to please the heart of God. Just for us to pause and say, God, thank you. That little moment there, that sweet moment where I got that word of encouragement or God, thanks for the opportunity to serve that person or whatever it is, it's just a beautiful way to, to thank the Lord the next is the reflection, kind of reviewing our day. I will literally go back and kind of start thinking through my entire day. And in this, we take account of our soul and ask, where was God? Where were the times? Was I constantly hurried today? Did I find myself running stressed? Did I find myself at a peaceful pace? Did I find myself a little cranky because somebody was, you know, driving below the speed limit and I was blaming them? Or, and really the problem was that I was late getting into the car. You know, those are those things you kind of walk through. And then you ask questions like, God, did I miss an invitation to love well today? God, did you give me an invitation to love? In these, in these moments, I'll pay attention to my emotions there. If I was particularly stressed, a lot of times I'll just pause on that. God, I was really stressed there. What was going on? Help me understand it. And then that takes me into a time of just saying, God, forgive me. I was stressed, and my stress, because my lack of preparation made everybody else stressed. Just an opportunity to keep our account short. I don't want to go day by day by day without keeping the account short. And then finally, walking through just a moment of hopefulness. Just, God, I'm, I'm going to ask grace. ask for grace to see a better tomorrow. God, give me grace to walk at a peaceful pace. Give me grace to have eyes to see as you do. I have never walked through this prayer framework and didn't have God speak. I don't know if you've ever felt that in your life. I don't know if I can you know, hear the voice of God. I have never, ever walked through this prayer time without hearing the voice of God in some way. God always speaks. Sometimes he speaks a word of encouragement. Sometimes a word of correction. Sometimes he just shows me where he was. And out of this process, I have developed a greater sensitivity to the presence of God in my day-to-day -day life which has been, I think that's, that's the witness. That's the promise of Jesus. God will be with us, and the Holy Spirit will dwell with us. Friends, there is so much more. I love, I love teaching on this kind of stuff. There's so much more, but I think we're coming to the end of our time, and so I'm gonna, um, I wanna circle back to that one quote because I would like for us to go into communion with this quote in mind, the, the, the Barton quote. Your desire for more of God than you have right now, your longing for love, your need for deeper levels of spiritual transformation than you have ever experienced so far is the truest thing about you. Can I encourage us to go into our communion time with this in mind? Father, thank you that you see this as true in our lives. God, thank you that you long to um, help us find you in everything. God, thank you that you want to fuse the distance between our heads and our hearts. God, you don't want us to live out of obligation. I know we live, I know you, you do ask us to live with discipline, but that's different than obligation. Help us to be a people of gratitude, knowing, um, being mindful of your presence in our lives, being mindful of your work in our lives, being mindful of your voice in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would help us cultivate um, an inner life that makes room for you in a whole new way. God, I know a lot of people here have been walking with you just for years and years. There are, I don't know, decades or centuries of history with you. But God, as we grow older, help us be more like you. 
as we walk through our days, God, help us to be mindful of your presence. And we pray this in your precious and holy name. Amen.